Welcome to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. In this special five-part series, we take a look at the book recently released by General Stanley McChrystal, Jeff Eggers, and Jason Mangone, entitled Leaders, Myths, and Reality. But first, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? With the expansion of the Compliance Podcast Network, I am looking for a new podcast. If you've wondered how to get going on a podcast, a word from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this special podcast series, Richard Lummis and I take a look at leadership styles from General McChrystal's book. They include the founders, Walt Disney and Coco Chanel, the geniuses, Albert Einstein and Leonard Bernstein, the heroes, Jean He and Harriet Tubman, the power brokers, Boss Tweed and Margaret Thatcher, and the reformers, Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. Episode 4, The Power Brokers, Boss Tweed and Margaret Thatcher. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, podcast about leadership. This is Richard Lummis. I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill which can be improved with study of both good and bad practices, and we try to draw interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today we're continuing our discussion of Stanley McChrystal's book, Leaders, Myth, and Reality, um, and we're going to talk about the chapter that he titles The Power Brokers. This is particularly interesting because the two people he picked are so... uh, I guess diametrically opposed in at least the public mind, with Boss Tweed of Tammany Hall in the second half of the 19th century New York City, and then Margaret Thatcher, the uh, great British Prime Minister of the uh, 80s. In getting into this chapter, McChrystal first starts discussing the nature of power, which I thought was an interesting way to do it. He defines it several different ways, whether it's uh, the ability to influence a group or the ability to get something done. But then he also says that in his experience, it derives more from reputation than rank, more from persuasion than direction, and more from example than prescription. And I think these two people kind of uh, exemplified that. Uh, They certainly did, Richard. And the point that I picked up from uh, the paragraphs you were reading was that a power broker wields influence and symbols like a tangible good. Mm-hmm. And he used the example of a barrel of oil, uh, which, frankly, I never thought of uh, symbols as being a tangible good. Um, the example, the most stark example, and I would certainly agree with it, was after the bombing in um, uh, uh, the hotel in um, England where the Conservative Party <coughs> was going to... Um, Give its uh, had its annual conference, uh, bombing by the IRA <clears throat> that was aimed at directly at Thatcher. Uh, within six hours, she was walking through the front door of that hotel, and that was a <coughs> excuse me, incredibly powerful symbol. But um, he really talked about power in a way I had not thought of 
uh, because he talked about power as an arrangement among multiple stakeholders and that um, to obtain power with uh, multiple stakeholders, you have to give those stakeholders something they wanted. And what Tweed and Thatcher gave them was an intangible good that I would not have thought of as something you can give someone, yet it, it made perfect sense, <clears throat> um, which was identity. And with Tweed, it was the social identity of the Irish, uh, largely members of Tammany Hall in London, uh, excuse me, in uh, New York City. Uh, and in Thatcher, it was the resurrected feeling of pride and patriotism in the United Kingdom, uh, which uh, I've had an occasion to sort of study uh, uh, English and uh, great, uh, great Britain's history or political history over the past 50 years. And uh, certainly by the mid-70s, uh, the English nation was really at a nadir in how it viewed itself, how I think it viewed, how the world viewed it, and maybe even how the world viewed it. Uh, it was a little bit earlier, but one of my favorite lines from uh, a James Bond movie uh, <coughs> was uh, called Thunderball, was when um, uh, Bond is uh, negotiating uh, over the uh, sale or, or, or return of uh, nuclear weapons that were stolen. Um, the uh, um, Spectre character says, well, Mr. Bond, your pitiful little island hasn't even been threatened. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, post-war England leading to the 60s in England led to a 70s that economically were just devastating uh, to England. And Margaret Thatcher turned that around with the symbol of English, return to English greatness, uh, or at least having pride among yourself, uh, of yourself. And so both of those uh, uh, strategies worked with stakeholders which in turn, those stakeholders gave them power, and they gave Thatcher the power, power through the ballot box. I suppose Tweed, uh, we have to concede that he got power through the ballot box, but he delivered. He delivered in a way that uh, uh, political clubs did in the uh, 19th century and early 20th century. Uh, they delivered jobs, they delivered turkeys on Thanksgiving, they delivered, delivered help to widows who needed uh, assistance if a, if a husband died. Uh, they would help a husband if a wife uh, was sick or ailing so that there was a delivery of services back from the political leader. And then <clears throat> there uh, both were to consolidate uh, the groups they were working with and share power uh, with them so that their groups, constituent groups, felt that they were invested uh, in the leader. Now, this was not the individuals voting, although that was some of it. It was primarily the top echelon of leadership uh, which put the, the two in power. So Tweed had a lunch club with three of his cronies uh, where they basically shared the spoils of uh, uh, fraud and embezzlement from New York City. Uh, Thatcher had a breakfast group of the leaders of the conservative party that uh, helped get her into power. Uh, this was not the old leaders from the 60s and 70s, this was a new group, and that group kept her in power um, right up to the end. And when she uh, engaged in that uh, behavior that alienated them, that's when uh, she lost power. And it, he ended his chapter with, the true leadership of power brokers is to manage the followers in institutions which then turn around and enable the leaders. And I thought, um, I would have thought this may have been the most difficult chapter to really put in a business leadership context 
But the way he ended it, I thought, was the most thought-provoking, at least in terms of a way I could see this concept working in the business world. Because truly, um, it's, it's almost servant leadership. Uh, and I think we've heard that term in the business world a little bit more than the political world. Uh, but that type of leadership, I think, is recognized, at least today, as, a, as one that can work and one of value for a company. Yeah, and to me, the most striking part of this chapter was the mutuality of, of the relationship. You, you tend to think of the power flow really only going one way, but it right. doesn't at all. Uh, exactly, and that's the thing that struck me, that the, there were goods, goods going down, but there were goods going up, and there were ideas going up that were incorporated into the power broker's sort of intellectual uh, repartee a repertoire, I should say, that then that they would execute upon. And when the uh, the group below them, uh, who was enabling them, saw that, uh, that was they viewed that as a reflection of them, and they gave the power broker even greater power. Yeah. Well, while we certainly wouldn't encourage you to emulate Boss Tweed in all of his aspects, um, I, I highly recommend this chapter in terms of uh, more thought-provoking insights from McChrystal. And, and also is, frankly, one of the clearest discussions of how they stole the money uh, that I have seen. So if you're interested in uh, some blocks, uh, uh, local political lessons, uh, it's very good at that. Yeah. Well, once again, this is Richard Lomas and Tom Fox signing off for 12 O'Clock High. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. I hope you'll join Richard Lummis and myself again, where we take a look at another set of leaders from the recent book by General Stanley McChrystal and his co-authors, and take a consideration of how they can help you in your leadership for business going forward. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.